My name is Ben, Ben Fromet, and I am um, going to be interview interviewing you today. So thank you for joining us. And the date is the 25th of October 2020. So just to get us started, it'd be good to know a little bit about yourself and your background. So can you tell us uh, your name and the year you were born and where you grew up and a little bit about your background? Right. Um, you've got quite a long period of time here. So uh, my name is John Sawkins um, and I was born 1948 um, and um, I grew up in Yorkshire. Um, I then went to London to study uh, for about four years and then traveled around, uh, went to Germany for a couple of years. Um, it wasn't until 1994 that I came up to Scotland and took a job up in Sirso in the far north. Okay, and can you tell us a little bit about what you studied and what that job was, the initial job, and, and if uh, if relevant, that is what the, the things that you were doing in Germany were, if they relate to any of the work you did in Thurso. Yeah, I, I basically um, studied to be a teacher. Um, so um, my subjects were um, Latin, German, and French. Uh, I ended up um, teaching German, uh, so that accounts for me going over to Germany. Uh, but also uh, I spent two years over there teaching English. So I developed that side of things. As far as um, SMAF is concerned, uh, I probably got involved um, in the early 2000s, um, even when I was up in Caithness. Uh, we had um, visits. I think one of them uh, that I remember quite well was from uh, a group of comedians who came to Thurso, uh, and one of them has a very um, sort of uh, memorable name, and um, he's called um, Vladimir McTavish. You may have heard of him. Uh, his real name is Paul, but I, talk, I had a chat with him, and uh, what was interesting there, because this was the mental health side of things, was how um, uh, comedians and people in the creative industries have uh, quite a, a long history of mental health uh, issues. Uh, and he said, particularly in, in, in that uh, profession, it, it, was, it was hard because you would get either totally manic or totally depressed, you know, depending on how, how things were going and how you were, you were performing and how you were being received and so on. So that's my earliest memory of my involvement with, uh, with SMAF. Um, after that, um, and again, this, this perhaps would move on to another question, but after that, um, my wife um, went on to do a degree in art and behind me, you'll see one of her uh, paintings there. But we, we did that in uh, Aberdeen. And so that was when I um, really got involved with SMAF and uh, organized the Aberdeen part of, of that. So it was music, art, um, cinema, the whole range, I think we had about 10 different uh, areas. Uh, so that, that, was, that was Aberdeen. And then four years later, um, I went on, uh, well, my wife went to uh, Edinburgh uh, to um, exhibit her art. And uh, I, I was, got involved with NHS Lothian and with uh, SMAF up there. And we put on uh, a number of um, SMAF festivals in the summer 
And out of that came the, uh, the Mad Jam, which was kind of a legacy of SMATH. So it's still going. Um, and a similar thing in, in Aberdeen, they've got the Blues Jam there. And that's still going, and that's, what, 10 years on. So it, a lot of things come from SMATH, I think. If it, 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 just that, that initial involvement it can lead to other things, better things happening. And, and can you tell us, going back a little bit to the initial uh, project you worked on with the comedians, um, could you tell us a little bit about how that worked and then your observations of, of their kind of mental health um, needs or mental health, uh, the characteristics that they had that informed how you worked with SMAF later on on later projects? Yeah, I, I think what I'm... Um, what influenced me was they, they, they brought, I think, four different types of comedian, uh, ones that were either very silly or were very offensive or, you know, they, they had different sort of techniques. And uh, that, that fascinated me uh, in that particular area. And one of the things that I went on to do in Aberdeen was um, I, I discovered a... Uh, the details of, of a comedian that I, I wanted to come and perform there. I, I cannot, for the life of me, remember his name, but uh, basically uh, he was one of, of, of a number of um, uh, events that, that we put on. And, you know, I think he, if you just think of, 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 of music, um, which was probably my main interest, um, I think you've got to look outside of that and, and think right across the sort of um, arts and, and see what else you can you can put on. And uh, we got involved, for example, in in, Ed, in, in um, Aberdeen. Um, I got uh, involved with the local psychiatric hospital there, Cornhill, and uh, we got some work from um, uh, patients there uh, who um, one one particularly interested me. He he took the medication that he, he was using and he put it under. Um, uh, a microscope, and uh, it, it, the, the big images that appeared were were quite uh, dramatic. Uh, it was just the just this particular substance, whatever it was, under the microscope. But for him, it, it, it had such a, a significance that he knew he made, he had a different relationship with with his medication as a result of that. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. So he had uh, did that change his performance as well? Do you think? Well, he, he, he was actually a patient in the hospital at the time, um, but his work was then um, displayed at, 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 well, at, in, the, in the hospital. I think we had a, uh, an event where, where we put on uh, lots of, of people's work, uh, lots, of, lots of their artwork. So that was the, uh, the, 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 the uh, reason for doing that. Uh, the performers themselves got a great deal out of it because uh, it's that um, buzz that you get from having an audience. And, and within a number of, of cases, they were relatively new to performing, whether it was reading their poetry or um, whatever, uh, you know, the, the comedy act, that sort of thing. And uh, so talking to them afterwards, you, you felt that they got a lot out of it. The audience uh, also... Uh, 
related. And I think what we tried to do was to um, avoid an us and them situation so that everybody that performed uh, took it in turns effectively to be part of the audience as well as being upon the stage. And we carried on with that idea with the Mad Jam. Um, and when we did the Mad Jam in uh, Edinburgh, it very much like looked like a nurse and them because there's a big stage and everybody performing and so on. So we, we wanted to try and uh, make sure that um, everybody uh, was both an audience member and a performer. Um, and uh, we, we didn't uh, agree with people that just wanted to come and do their five minute spot and disappear. You know, you had to be part of the event. And we found that that really helped to, to build up the community and the feeling that everybody could go up there and perform regardless of what their abilities were. It wasn't, there wasn't some kind of um, way of selecting whether someone should be performing or not. Uh, and generally it worked very well. And um, could you tell me a little bit about um the are you the the process that you use to to go from i mean there's obviously the end point being the performance is is that's the cherry on top of everything i guess but uh, on the way there's a a big process and how do you how how do you manage that and uh, is there one formula or have you kind of built up a repertoire of techniques has that changed over the years success stories tell me a little bit about that please basically the question is uh how do you uh, start in a new area so you've, you've just moved into a new town how do you if you like ingratiate yourself with the local people or uh if you're wanting to organize something how do you go about it now, my first experience in uh, Aberdeen was, why isn't there something? Why is there no SMAF event in Aberdeen? Don't understand that, surely. It's a big enough city. There must be some reason for that. And um, talking to people uh, locally, and I, I got involved with the uh, bipolar group in, um, uh, in Aberdeen, because basically because I was diagnosed as bipolar. So, uh, and I said to them, why are you not doing something? They said, well, no one's organized it. I said, well, you, you have to organize it. You know, you have to be part of that. And uh, it was quite a hard job to get people to not feel that some big person has to come along and, and uh, you know, pull out all the stops and do it for you. You know, that you, you are capable of doing it. Um, so we, what we did was we said, well, well, we'll have 10 events and we'll put people, if you like, in charge of a particular event, the person that's got a particular expertise in it. So if it's art, we'll ask the local artist person to, to help to organise that. And obviously not doing it on their own, but having at least some expertise in, in the different areas, because, you, again, you feel... Uh, you're intruding a little bit into someone else's uh, space if, if, if you say, right, I think you should do this. So it's always been a, a team effort, I felt. And um, I felt more and more involved in SMAP as I went to the meetings uh, up in Glasgow and uh, you know, helping to 
come up with themes for the particular year and that sort of thing. That was that was interesting, and meeting people from the other areas. So you'd work with a kind of a smaller team of people had, who had particular expertise in various areas and come together to, to put on a, events. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think the the money side of it has never really appealed to me. So I've never never had that that urge to go out and raise funds for something in, in the same way. So it's basically everything uh, has been on the basis of well, you're not going to get paid. Uh, you know, we just put these things on, and uh, you know, people can take it or leave it. But uh, I, I felt that 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 was quite a nice. Um, feeling to it, to, to, to not have that pressure of, oh, well, we'll need to pay so-and-so for such and such. I mean, obviously, you have to pay for premises. That was the one thing that, you know, was, was a bit of an obstacle. But we managed to get around that by asking for donations. And so by people, I think, generally speaking, it's about like two pounds a head or something like that, a very, very small amount of money, really, for an evening's entertainment. And... Um... Have you had experience of um, resistance or, or kind of negative attitudes, either from within the community that you're working with or, or out with the community um, from, from people that maybe aren't particular stakeholders but feel the need to kind of interject? Have you had any resistance in both those uh, scenarios? Um. Not, not to any great extent. I mean, you know, you will get comments like, um, uh, oh, that will never work or something of that sort. Or um, perhaps, uh, don't you think you ought to get such and such a body involved in setting it up? And the, the disadvantage of, of, of involving various agencies along the way, particularly if you're looking for, for funding and, and you know, sort of putting in bits for, we, we did actually do that eventually, but initially it was just getting it off the ground and wanting to do it, you know, as part of the festival and not suddenly, you know, we've missed the festival dates. So it was very much the immediacy of that. And um, yeah, I'm just wondering as well about sort of how, how, how do you plan for the unplannable? So with mental health, there's obviously a whole range of uh, issues that might affect a kind of um, a person on the day of an event. So how, how do you mitigate that um, yeah. personally for yourself and for the people that you're working with? Yeah, it's an interesting one that because um, we, thought there might be all sorts of um, scenarios where, where people um, said they were meant to be performing and, and they, they chickened out whatever, uh, or they had a meltdown, you know, that, that was what we anticipated. Strangely enough, it didn't happen. And I think we had one person that had uh, a panic attack and uh, I had to take him in the car, take him back home. But, you know, there, there were ways of dealing with uh, a lot of the situations. And I think it's, if you're anticipating a disaster, you, you often get it. Whereas if, if, you, if you work along with people, um, you know, we didn't feel 
initially we thought, well, what about the insurance side of things? And then we thought about, well, we've got to get a bank account. How do we do that? Because the bank was saying, uh, oh, you've got to have somebody who's got a passport or a driving license. And within that community, there wasn't anyone that had one, you know, so uh, that had to be, yeah, it was an obstacle to overcome. But the bank were very good. And uh, I thought, you know, we actually called ourselves the, the, the Mad Jam and that we had a bank account in the name of the Mad Jam. So, you know, pe people were um, far more uh, obliging than initially we thought they would be. And, and so you, you overcame the obstacle. There was somebody that, that had a passport, et cetera. And, and do, you, do you think that um, by sort of, uh, you know, being very direct with the name Mad, the Mad Jammers, that that had a, an impact on stigma and, and how people viewed what you were doing? Do you think it acted, was that, how purposeful was that? Obviously you chose it on purpose, but... Um, yeah, how did you come about the name, the Mad Jammers, and why? Yeah. We debated whether that would stigmatise us or not, and we decided that we, you know, we would own that. You know, other people say, "Oh, they're just Mad Jam people." So, well, we'll own that. We'll, we'll call ourselves that. You know, so if, it, if it's if it's from within the community, to give the, if you like, um, a, a, a critical name or whatever. You turn the bad name into a good name. It, it seemed to work that. Yeah, I think it's a great name, and I think it it adds a, an, another layer of and adds an entry point in for people and a uh, level of intrigue, and it it kind of helps people to understand very quickly what you're about, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. um, just, just to give another example, my partner's my wife's uncle. He's uh, not very well at the moment, but he's, you know, suffering with cancer. And he, but he's a jazz musician. He plays the trumpet, and he set up a band um, called the the what's it called the Badass Blues Band because um, he's got a stoma and he's got a bag, you know, that he has to use. So rather than kind of being downbeat about it, he thought, well, I'll use it. And yeah, you know, comedy is a great healer, isn't it? So and music, of course, also a great healer. Um, so yeah, would you tell us a bit more about the the Mad Jammers and the kinds of events that you've done and uh, how you formed and how it's evolved? Uh, you know, what just uh, freewheel for a little bit about the Mad Jammers? Yeah, um, if you can see that picture there, can you? Um, I can yeah, yeah. So that's myself and and Ralph, uh, two of us that were involved in setting up the Mad Jam, and it's the uh, it was um, the, uh, the Lord Provost um, making a, a you know this is what's, what's it called Inspiring Volunteers Team Award. Um, so that that was kind of the the, the, the pinnacle of, of of what like Edinburgh thought of us as as, a, as an organisation. So that was quite. Um, uh, reassuring that, that people thought it was it was a good thing we were doing. Um, so going back, can you can you repeat your question, please? Yeah, it was a bit of a long-winded question, so not a very easy one to answer. But I'll try and break it up a bit. Um, so could you tell us about the, um, your involvement in the Mad Jammers? You know, uh, you, you're 
a musician yourself, are you? And like, what part do you play in the Mad Jammers? Right, okay. Um, so we started off, I think there were eight of us, and uh, each had a, a diagnosis, either bipolar or schizophrenia or uh, borderline personality disorder or something of that sort. So uh, it was definitely a bottom-up arrangement. Um, of the people involved, uh, I think a couple of us played musical instruments uh, and the others did things like uh, reading poetry or, or they sang. So there, were, there, there was a, a kind of possibility of starting up with just us, if you like, uh, on the stage and, and then hoping for an audience. Uh, so that, that was perhaps the, the starting point. I played initially the bass guitar uh, and then uh, the, uh, the rhythm guitar. Um, so basically I would do singing occasionally. What developed though was that uh, we were looking really for someone to do kind of continuity to be like an MC and there wasn't anybody and it didn't quite work. So eventually I thought, well, I've never done this before, but I'll have a go at it. And so I try and can, but I didn't perform at that stage. I was, I was just uh, sort of link, introducing the acts and saying, well, you know, let's hear it for so-and-so, that sort of thing, getting applause and so on. And then I started interacting with the audience and um, sort of involving them a little bit more and finding out a little bit about them. And so it, I think that helped to the, the whole thing to gel um, so that you weren't right. You're just one of the performers on the stage. You know, you, you, you felt you could be a kind of a, a link between the people performing and the people that were um, coming in. One of the things that we found really um, enticed people in was if we bribed them with food. <laughs> So, so we, we put on pizzas one, one night and there's an absolute crowd of folks turned up um, as a result. So it, it does help occasionally you know, to bring people in. And I think, it, it, again, it's a kind of a social thing. What we were trying to do was to, to bring people in who uh, had become isolated. They were living, you know, one, one example we had was two people said, oh, I haven't seen you for 10 years. Oh, and they both lived in Edinburgh, you know, so, and they, suddenly there's, there's this opportunity of, of, of coming together. We never did it as a late night thing. I think we, we always kept it like seven o'clock till 10 probably, um, because it seemed that that was what the people wanted. They didn't, they, they weren't sort of into staying out late. Uh, and also probably transport would have been a problem later on. And it was, always, it was always a Saturday night. Uh, I can remember people saying to me, um, oh, well, we couldn't come in the week. I said, why not? I said, well, the TWP will find us if we, if we, if we come in during the week. So, so, were, so Saturday became the, 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 the choice uh, night for it. And of course, that's when everybody else goes out. You know, so they felt that they weren't being excluded then. Yeah, that's interesting. That's that's uh, sounds like you came to a really kind of logical um, answer for for the winds and and hows of how to run that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that sounds good. In um, Southside, which was like a cafe, um, but that didn't work very well from a a visual point of view. Uh, so you you were sort of 
you weren't on stage effectively and you were just sort of in the middle of everybody and it was difficult to, um, there wasn't any lighting or anything, so you couldn't do very much with that. So we eventually we went to St Augustine's Church, which was slightly more expensive as, as a venue, but um, it's, we worked out that it was, it was affordable. I think it was uh, something like £120 for a session. So by getting people to, to make their £2 contribution, we covered our costs, our running costs. And we had the advantage of that, that sort of location with beautiful um, uh, visuals and also uh, perfect acoustics. So we couldn't, we couldn't go wrong really with that. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. Um, and, and can you just sort of cast in your mind over the whole period that you've um, been working in the arts and mental health and with SMAF and the Mad Jammers and all the other bits that you've done. Can you, uh, first of all, tell me a little bit about anything that's felt like a resounding success? I know you've already mentioned the award that you were given, but if there's anything else, and also, is there anything that you feel that um, you kind of, not regret's too strong a word, but perhaps feel like you would have done differently or that you feel like there's unfinished business or you feel there's need for a new approach going forward into the future. So first, any resounding successes that really kind of spring to mind? Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult for me to come up with those. I can probably come up with several uh, self-criticisms. That's easy, but uh, I'm always waiting for someone else to say, well, what about that? You did that, you know? And like, oh yeah, so, you know. So it's, I, I tend to kind of move on after I've done something. It's very hard to actually recall what the um, the major uh, successes were um, but uh, I think when we first started that was something called Scotia Review um, wasn't really connected with SMAF but it was the equivalent of that what we were doing in Caithness and because you have a small uh, population to get say even 10 or 20 people to an event is, is an amazing feat, you know, so that that we were managing to do. So that that felt uh, quite good that we, we were able to, to get people to come into that. Um, in uh, Aberdeen, um, I, I think it was um, getting involved with um, the manager of the Belmont Cinema. I, I just found that it kind of opened up opportunities and we met um, the guy that did the film about Donald Trump, you've been trumped, don't know if you've heard about him, but uh, he was saying to me, and this is now 2014, a couple of years before Trump gets to be the president, and he said, do you know, he's even thinking of becoming president. No, never, it couldn't possibly. You know, so it was really interesting um, I think for me, you know, it's just meeting people. They're really interesting folks. And uh, just um, another thing that came out of the Aberdeen was um, I got involved as an extra in a film. Uh, initially, it was to be just a walk-on part. Eventually, I got given lines. And the, the kind of upshot of that was we, when we were living in Edinburgh, uh, the um, cinema put on the film that I'd been involved in and there's me on the screen you know so, so from a personal point of view wow you know and, and you get the uh what it's called 
uh, IMDB, is it, or something like that. You get your sort of entry in, in that for having performed in something. But that all came out of, of, of um, SMAF in Edinburgh, sorry, in uh, Aberdeen, because it was one of the people I was working with on the music who said, um, look, they're looking for extras, would you like to come along? So personally, that, that, was, it. that was a big thing. Uh, but in terms of, you know, sort of what the achievements were for um, the communities, uh, I think it's just the fact that, like, the Blues Jam in um, Aberdeen is still going. And we, we started it up, what, um, about eight years ago. So, you know, it's, 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 a, it's kind of like that legacy thing. I think that's, that's the thing you're really proud of, that, that the thing carries on. And as far as... Yeah. The, as far as things going wrong, um, I think of, of, of something that, um, or or an obstacle perhaps doesn't have to be anything uh, like instantaneous or obstacles, but it could be yeah something that went wrong that was a disaster or yeah yeah I think it's the it's not being able to promote something. And, you know, you put something on and virtually no one turns up. There's about two or three people turn up and you think, could I not have done that better? You know, could I, surely there must have been some way of getting more people in or, or why, why didn't that work? That sort of thing. And uh, sometimes it's just that people aren't interested. It was like things like book launches, which we thought people would be interested in. <laughs> no tickets, you know. Um, and yet in Edinburgh, where, where we tried to do that, uh, obviously you've got the International Book Festival and things, I used to go to that every year. Um, and I thought, well, there'd be, there'd be an interest in it, but no, there wasn't. So sometimes you just have to learn from that. Yeah, and I guess that you can't always predict everything. You can't be in control of everything. There are so many variables that you, you can't beat yourself up over it either. You can do your best and sometimes that no matter how hard you try, you, you know, you're only one part of an equation. You can't um, control the rest of it. So, yeah. And I think it's, yeah, it's really important to remember the, the legacies that you have started and can, you know, that, that it still continues. That's really important um, because the fact that it exists is a, a massive, um, a massive benefit and, a success in itself isn't it so and I think yeah those long-lasting legacies are much more important than you know maybe a, a raucous night that everybody remembers and still talks about of course they're important too but um yeah the longevity is important so um could you tell us a bit about the system level of engagement with the mental health and the arts um in your experience so, I mean, you've got a lot of experience in community level and personal level involvement, but has there been, uh, a, can you tell us anything that you've noticed or observed about how as a society or at government level or local government level, you know, that the kind of slightly grander, bigger from the very nucleus, uh, how those interactions are have been over the years? Yeah, um, thinking back to uh, Edinburgh, um, I, I think getting to know 
people at NHS Lothian was helpful uh, in that initially you, you felt, well, do we need them at that level? You know, do we need them involved? Of course, they control the purse strings to a large extent. And, and we actually applied for a number of um, uh, grants and got them. And I think it, it, it was interesting. I mean, I'm not name dropping, but uh, Linda Irving was someone that I, I, I got to know who, who was in, in charge of NHS Lothian. And there were so many other things that came out of that. I mean, I got involved with um, the psychosocial interventions. Uh, so I do some training of NHS staff in, in that sort of area. The link with that probably then goes back to my involvement with um, the Royal College of Psychiatrists. So I was uh, involved uh, with the Edinburgh branch, but also with uh, the London branch. And in the London one, I was on the ethics committee. Um, one of the links with SMAF was we, we, we tended to have a, 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 the Royal College of Psychiatrists involvement in it. Uh, I think there's one person there, I forget his name uh, now, but he, he was particularly interested in film. And they always, um, I think, uh, put money towards the, the festival every year. So the, getting involved with lots of different things, you know, it's, it's, that, was, that was interesting. Um, the, I went to events where various politicians came along and uh, one of them that came to Edinburgh was Norman Lamb. And uh, I found it interesting that usually politicians uh, link into an issue if they've got a personal involvement. And he was saying that I think his, his, his son was, was uh, affected. And so he, that was why he got uh, this particular brief. And he, he was strongly advocating sort of mental health uh, uh, legislation and so on. So I, that side of it was interesting that it, you, 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 there is an there is an element at, at various levels. Uh, and you know, you're, you're basically trying to convince people that they need to put money into the mental health side as well as the physical health. Um, one of the issues that I brought up with the, the Royal College in London, I might be going off at a tangent here, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. Basically, um, the issue of um, diagnostic overshadowing and that uh, you go in with something physical, and because on your in your notes it says known to psychiatric services, uh, that is totally disregarded, and it's assumed that it's some kind of psychological problem you've got. So that was an issue um, that I took up down in London, um, and I think you know we, we need to keep this issue of mental health um, alive. Um, but at the same time, I think we shouldn't overdo it. With COVID, we feel that um, through the media, it's constantly being pushed. Oh, it's it's mental health issues that are going to be affected by this, you know, and it's it's, it's almost like you're you're anticipating it. Oh, uh, there's going to be a lot of um, uh, clients coming our way, you know. So you think, no, no, don't think of it like that. You know, it's, yeah, okay, it will have some kind of traumatic effect probably down the line. That's that's inevitable, but don't kind of encourage it and don't basically say to everyone, oh, we, you're all going to be mentally ill now. No, 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 that's not the way it's going to be. You know, so I, I feel a bit sort of ambivalent about all that. 
Yeah, so you, th you feel that um, kind of the use of labels can be helpful, but also quite destructive as well. If yeah. you're, you're kind of placing labels incorrectly or um, stuff like that. Yeah, and, and also there's that thing about, uh, you know, people needing a label sometimes, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad I've got a diagnosis, you know. Um, personally, I've, I've kind of shaken mine off to some extent. And supposedly 20 years ago, I, I was diagnosed as bipolar, but uh, not quite sure whether that was accurate or not. Mm. So do you feel that not just for your own kind of diagnosis, but I mean, perhaps you can't speak about it from any other perspective anyway, but um, do you think over the years that the kind of labels that existed sort of say 20 years ago, for example, bipolar in your case, do you think they've got more complex or changed in any way? In, and, and does that show how uh, as a society, our attitude or understanding of mental health issues have changed or, or, or not changed? Or do you know, in your uh, opinion? Well, I think the, the big uh, leap, perhaps, was when Stephen Fry came out and, and talked about mental health. Um, and I think it virtually made bipolar uh, socially acceptable you know it's almost like that that was a, a a label you could you could almost you know kind of a, a badge that you could hold with pride and people would say oh good for you sort of thing whereas if you said oh i'm schizophrenic you know that's that's another issue altogether uh and yet effectively you're treating them both with the same medication they're probably on a similar spectrum, you know. Well, <laughs> well, is it just accidental that this person gets that label and that person gets that label? So, and 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 so, I guess it feels significant. A, what kind of person uh, in the public eye is, is kind of like the 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 spearhead or the spokesperson for a particular mental health issue? But also what the issue is, yeah, as you say. I mean, if it was a, I don't know, a, a politician, not a very popular one, and uh, let's, let, I don't know, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't name names because I should probably be neutral. But you know, let's just say, uh, not a very popular politician got labelled as being bipolar. Do you think maybe that that might have had a lesser impact, or people might have even taken a negative view of of uh, that mental health? Uh, problem you know yeah. if, it, if it was uh, yeah like a, a a kind of a celebrity villain perhaps mm, that could have stigmatized yeah. the, the problem yeah yeah certainly I think uh, you know if you've got a what's it called a, a national treasure <laughs> it's okay but uh, if, it's, if it's the pantomime villain yeah that's no good at all mm, um, it's interesting yeah. huh? mm. And uh, yeah, I suppose maybe just to finish off, could you, could you sort of tell us if you think that the, um, are they really very good bedfellows in your experience or is it uh, again, a bit of a saccharine um, uh, bit of nonsense that the arts and mental health kind of go hand in hand, you know, they're, they're like very compatible. 
Yeah, I mean, what, what of course is, is really interesting is that um, the arts can uh, send you off into some sort of psychiatric condition, but conversely, they can help to cure you, you know, so they, they have those possibilities. I, I think that's, that's interesting. Um, certainly I found, I mean, I, somebody said to me, what's your, your mantra for, for staying well? I said, well, it's, it's, it's basically um, creativity, uh, anything creative, music, art, um, writing, um, and then um, recreative, having some form of uh, going to the gym and that sort of thing. I found that that's helpful. And then it's relationships, I think, is the other one. Uh, you know, if, you've, if you're isolated, you're not going to get well, you're going to get much sicker. So that was why I felt bringing people in to form their own community, that, that seemed to be the best way because you can't change the world, but you can change things locally and you can do something in, in your locality. I suppose, yeah, you can change your world and that's, that's what you can be in charge of. Yeah, well, that's really interesting, really interesting. Um, stuff so yeah thanks john i really enjoyed listening to you talk about all of that and i'll listen to it again i'm sure ellie will pass on the recording to us both um at some point so yeah that was fantastic yeah did you have anything else that you can think of that you'd like to ask or that you'd like to say that you haven't said yet um no i think i think we've covered everything i'm okay all right john enjoy have a good day and Great stuff. Well, thanks, Ben. And, uh, yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks to you too. And have a good day. Yeah. Cheers, John. Thanks for your time. Cheers. Bye now. Real. Cheers. Bye. Bye.